Face the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast is sponsored by fine people like Martin Quibell. This is Face the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast. The Lady Who Said She Could Fly, The Idol Race. What's that song all about? The Lady Who Said She Could Fly is the 12th track, fourth song on side two on the first Idol Race album, Their Birthday Party, released in September 1968. In the number six 1989 issue of the Face the Music fanzine, Gil wrote, The penultimate track on the birthday party is yet another of Jeff's songs and proves that his sense of orchestral arrangements was already immaculate. The lady who said she could fly carries a relatively simple tune and lyric, but the use of a string section gives the song a far greater emotional depth and strength. In the July 13, 2012 issue of Record Collector, Nick James wrote, There was even an early signpost to Jeff Lynne's future immersion in the world of classical fusion through the sublime Psy-Pain-arranged orchestra of the melodic The Lady Who Said She Could Fly. I'm the lady who said she could fly. I'm flying through the air right now. Can you see me? Hi, I'm Eric Winsenson. And I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And this is The Lady Who Thought She Could Fly. Well, judging by the descending strings at the beginning of the song, I don't think she flew too well. Yeah, no, acid can cause major delusions. Yes, yes. (laughs) then what's my excuse? Because I've never done acid. Yet, I think I'm just the king of the podcast world with my little rinky-dinky yellow podcast. Well, you're not standing on top of a building trying to flap your arms as you descend and go, I can fly! I can fly! I'm flying away! (laughs) You don't know what I do in a cabin in the woods with my wife. Anyways, the song. The song. Well, if they didn't already have a song called End of the Road, this would have been the perfect ending for the album. But, of course, if you've got a song called End of the Road, you're going to end the album with that. Yeah. Uh, So, I liked... They experimented with the orchestral part, and once again, Jeff Lynn went along with it. He didn't arrange any of this. It was some guy named Cy Payne, not to be confused with Norman Payne of the great UK uh, hip-hop group called The Northern Boys. Check out their stuff on YouTube. <laughs> but no, it is some guy named Cy Payne, who... Um, I don't know who he is, but he arranged the orchestra well. (laughs) I thought this would have a lot more impact. It's not a bad song. I listened to it, and it kind of just floated away. (laughs) I guess the lyrics are good, but the presentation of it, it's... uh, They're trying to do an Eleanor Rigby, 
It's not an Eleanor Rigby. No. It's well-produced. It sounds different than the rest of the album. It is kind of looking ahead a little bit into the future because it does sound like it's produced a little bit differently than the rest. A little bit fuller sound on it. Not as separated. But, I mean, maybe it's a grower. I really don't want to bash it too much just because it kind of floated off into the ether for me. Maybe it's a grower. I hear it a few more times, I'll like it a lot more. And plus it's too short. Yeah. It's way too short, so by the time I actually started getting really interested in it, song's over. <laughs> I know I complain a lot of times when a song's too long, but that's only because sometimes a song has three minutes worth of material and it goes on for ten. Yeah. Freebird. <laughs> um <laughs> No, I love the guitar solos on it and everything, but really, there's three minutes of song there. (laughs) (laughs) If you're not into listening to uh, guitar jamming. Right. But this is one that could have benefited from a little bit more length. I think maybe that's why it kind of didn't impact me like it would normally, is because it felt like it was half finished. Mm. Despite all the orchestral stuff, it felt like it was just half there. Like there should have been more to it. Hauntingly dreamy is what you can use on the sticker when you put it on the front of the album to sell it. Hauntingly dreamy. Eric Paul Johnson of Face the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast. Yeah, like you said, I like it. (laughs) I think if it had the Lewis Clark and Jeff Lynne production of the mid-70s, I think this would hit me a whole lot more. I do like it. It's not a bad song. I can listen to it, and it's like, yeah, I I like that. I don't love it. It does feel like there's something missing. But then again, it's 1968. Jeff Lynne is still a young guy. I think the whole band is probably just a bunch of young guys. So whatever heft would be brought to a song like this, I don't think you're going to be able to bring that heft to it unless you've had quite a few more years of experience of making music. But otherwise, I like it. Perfectly fine song. We've talked about this before, and I'm kind of on the fence about it with this song. Would this be a precursor to ELO, or is this just the style at the time? Because we kind of said that um, Follow Me Follow, and there was a Move song, I believe, that was heavily stringed. And we didn't really think it was pre-ELO. It was just 1967, 1968. I can see how this put the bug in Jeff's head to go into ELO, or to come up with something like that, or for Roy Wood to say, I would like to have a rock band with classical music mixed in with it. And Jeff said, you know, I've kind of had the same idea too. Or is it just, it's 1968. A lot of bands did the one straight string song on the album. So I'm not quite sure which way to go. I think there was probably some choosing that Lynn did where this was probably suggested, or he may have come up with it and said, no, let's do something with strings. But, of course, he wasn't skilled enough at that time or knew enough to do anything with him. So bring in just one of the arrangers that's there at the studio and do it. That may have been an idea that got floated around. You know who would know? Dave Pritchard. Call us. Honestly, it does sound like something that wouldn't feel out of place on the first Electric Light Orchestra album. 
Yeah, just overdub 15 cellos over it. Yeah, on the first album, not any of the later ones where Lewis Clark got involved and all that. Yeah. Because Clark is such a better arranger when it comes to orchestral music than what was on here. Yeah, other than that, I think it's just more the experimenting on the album. Mm. We've got this, we got this, we got this. Okay, let's go ahead and do this. It's kind of a wrap-up-the-album type of thing. Oh, don't forget that single that actually did get released. <laughs> and since, Let's throw that on at the end. Since it's got end in the title. Yep, and then some Looney Tunes songs. <laughs> and we end the album. And bookend the side two of the album, yeah. It definitely doesn't detract anything from the album. No. Absolutely not. I just wish there was a little bit more substance to it, I think. I do like the part where Jeff says, Back to the story. I like just how it sounds. Also, it's it's kind of funny. Maybe a lot more songs need to do that, because a lot of songs can kind of drift off from their point, and then you got to stop the music, and the lead singer has to sing, Back to the story. Let's get back to where the whole point of this song. Meanwhile, back in the jungle. Exa- that's exactly it. That's that's what that <laughs> yeah. break is in this song. That's Jeff Lynne's cadets moment. Meanwhile, back in the jungle. It's either a song about Amelia Earhart or a song about persistence. Because seems to be that this girl is really into flying. And she tries, but she fails. And crashes to the ground. That's because women can't be pilots. Well, they, they can't be trusted with anything. Just me- kidding. <laughs> they, can't be, they can't handle anything mechanical. That's why I always do the driving, because, yeah. you know, women. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good mm-hmm. thing I'm already married, otherwise I'd never be able to get a girlfriend if people thought I was serious. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> also, be about persistency. She does crash and burn, but she gets back up, she makes new wings, she gets a halo, or she died. <laughs> which well, <laughs> and she yeah succeeds. usually if you're depending on how you're flying you don't get too many chances <laughs> yeah or and this could be a darker tone she's just a delusional dreamer she's always thought she could fly and even though she never actually literally leaves the ground because she can't fly she still thinks she can fly and she keeps trying and in her head maybe that's the whole wrap-up end of the song she says i'm flying i'm flying And really, she's probably just locked in a room somewhere, lying in bed. Or maybe she actually read Douglas Adams and learned the secret to flying. You throw yourself at the ground and miss. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, maybe that's the happier ending to go with. She did it. (laughs) So long, and thanks for all the fish. Got something to say about the lady who said she could fly, then called the telephone line voicemail. 6238503375. Call now. Phil Henry inviting you to join me for a fascinating hour of music and conversation when Star Trek profiles ELO. 
We'll speak with the group's major writer, producer, and vocalist, Jeff Lynne, and get an inside look at some of the most inventive, popular music of the last two decades. Don't miss this week's Star Trek profile, The Electric Light Orchestra, brought to you by Tums. Obviously, we all love the Electric Light Orchestra. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, and I wouldn't have been doing it for six years. But with over 200 songs in their catalog, you can't always strike gold. So, what songs do ELO fans not like? We find out in the sporadically reoccurring segment, Fault Line. Chris Shearer? I've never got into The Whale or Starlight. They just seem like filler tracks, not on par with other ELO greats. Want to let the world know if there's an ELO song you don't like? Shoot us an email at ELOFTMPodcast at gmail.com. Great moments in electric light orchestra history. Jeff began in the 60s with intricate music, lots of strings and involved production. Now in the 80s, Jeff feels he's simplified his style, and in many ways he says his current approach is a lot more difficult than the old days, when he feels he may have sacrificed quality for sheer quantity of sound. I think simplicity is, is, the, is it's one of the hardest things to do. Without, you know, simplicity, you can have it so simple that it's, that it's also banal. But to write simple stuff, uh, simple melodies, is, is, is quite hard, really, I think. You can hit bug down in all these diversions, you know. And I think um, you've got to discipline yourself to not use too much stuff. I, I've always sort of overblown productions, I think, in the past, you know, and, and probably because I hide behind the productions, you know, bury the voice a bit underneath and bury this, that, and then cover some of it over with a blanket of something else, like 2,000 violin players. You know, to, just out of insecurity, maybe, I don't know. But now I can... Um, I can let the voice sing out now, and I don't cringe when I hear it. You know, so it's good. I've probably improved in that respect, and I think I'm a better producer now. Face the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com and we'll read and reply to it on the show. Keep up to date by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. Subscribe to our YouTube page, the Electric Light Orchestra Podcast Channel, to hear other goodies. You can financially support the podcast at patreon.com slash elopod or PayPal using the podcast's email address or send a check or money order to P.O. Box 1932, Superior, Arizona 85173. Next week, Blackberry Way.